0: Amen. We'll be in Ephesians chapter 4 today. I ask you to open up your Bible or your phone, and we're going to start in verse 17. Will you please stand if you can for the reading of God's word? And as you get there, let me offer a little bit of empathy. Last week, when Pastor Greg asked us to stand, I understood how hard that must be for many of you. You're very comfortable right now on your couch and you have your coffee. I got there eventually. I got there. So if you're not standing, I get it. It's okay. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 24. And Paul writes, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the, life that, from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. Uh, they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus." You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to, be, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Pro right, 52 base, trips left, 21 blast. Pro right, 52 base, trips left, 21 blast. It's probably the only play I remember from my freshman football, American football. I was told I had to wait until high school to play football. I had a very short career. Some of you know my story. I I loved it. But I I didn't understand the game until my freshman year, and and it didn't make sense to me in the moment when we would separate by position, and they were teaching us what all of these things kind of meant. And later, I would come to find out the strategy, the multi-year strategy that a football program takes to train the players about the game and about their individual place in every play so pro right 52 base trips left 21 blast of all of that play there are literally two numbers two numbers that mattered to me as an offensive lineman as a left tackle I didn't understand what pro right meant that wasn't any of my responsibility I didn't even know what the five meant. I only knew that the two in 52 uh, was th- the gap between uh, the center and the guard. And when that play was called, all I had to do was move people away from that gap so that the running back could find a path. But the other play, trips Left 21 Blast, I didn't know what trips Left was, wasn't trained in that, wasn't my job as a lineman. I didn't know what the two was in 21, but one again was the indicator that that's the hole, that's the hole we're opening up, that's the the place where the play is going, and so when I heard 21, all I heard was one, and when that ball said hike, I did my job, I went to one, or I went to two, or I went to four, or I went to five, whatever the play was. And my experience of football was limited to what I was being coached to do. I was an offensive tackle. I either went and helped someone run forward or I blocked so that the pass could go. And I spent the entire season mastering those numbers, trying to master how I would move from hike and and how I would come back for a block. But it wasn't until years, years later that I got past my individual role on those kinds of plays to actually understand the fullness of the game. To understand how everybody has a role to play a part to play and the play call of a football play is indicating to everybody to do their thing and when it all comes together in theory, then the ball moves forward and the play becomes successful, but it requires everybody to know their place their part. And I will say this, that I think my early training, the very first taste I had of football as a a lineman my freshman year of high school influences everything I watch about football today. I enjoy watching running backs run. I enjoy watching touchdowns being made, but I watch every lineman play because it's what I know. It's what I came to understand and to experience why this story, Jeff? Uh, Because I think following Jesus for many of us is so similar, right? We join the the following of Jesus. We we follow, uh, we become part of the church. We become a Christian. We identify as a follower of Jesus. And immediately there is some training that happens. There's some go-to things that we are taught right away. And what happens in the very beginning of our faith shapes for many of us the rest of the life of our faith with Jesus. Uh, Yes, we can back up and get some perspective and prayerfully over a life, understand more and more about God and scripture and God's heart. But if we're honest, it's those very early moments that seem to shape everything for us so that our emphasis what what our go-to focus is the 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 plays we're familiar with what makes the game what makes our faith for us can so often go back to those very beginning places of faith and it's a struggle sometimes for us to back off of just those those first things we learned and to have a wider perspective of the scripture, to have a wider perspective of God. And that's why we're having this series called Traits. And, and it's, it's because I believe that at this moment in the life of our church at Lake Avenue, in this moment, of the life of the church of Jesus in our nation and in this world, it's time to back up a little bit. And to understand what it actually looks like to be the family that we are. See, I'm going to be, we've already read from the book of Ephesians. And I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess that for many of us who know parts of the book of Ephesians. And if we were to somehow do a survey of what is your verse that you know my guess would be that for many of us, we would point to a verse somewhere in chapter 4, 5, or 6 in the book of Ephesians. And here's why. It's the practical part of the book. It's the plays. The first three chapters of Ephesians is, a, is, is the gospel. It's who Jesus is and what difference Jesus makes in this world Three chapters dedicated to the cross and to grace and to reconciliation, and it's the foundational theology of our faith in Jesus, and chapters 4, 5, and 6 is the practical application. It now speaks to us as people, us to us as individuals of how we now live because of all of this in chapters 1 to 3. And my guess would be that for many of us, we point to something in 4, 5, and 6 if we know our scriptures. Hey, for me in high school, as, as someone who struggled, and if I can be honest, still struggles with my language and my mouth, Ephesians 4.29, I shared it with you earlier this week. Do not let in wholesome talk come out of your mouth. That was a big verse in my youth group. And for many years, I would say that the book of Ephesians was written so that I wouldn't cuss. Some of us, if we're, if we're passionate about marriage and marriage ministry, we go, to, we go to the parts of Ephesians that talk about the relationship of husband and wife. For some of us who are passionate about, uh, uh, about the, the, the morals of this life, things like how we tell the truth versus lie, what we do with anger, how not to, to steal but to be generous, what do we do with revenge, what do we do with sexual promiscuity? See, 4, 5, and 6 speak about these things so clearly. But if that is our beginning point, our story, our behavior, our play was formed early in, in, the, in the behavior of what a Jesus person is supposed to do, and our early plays aren't formed into who Jesus actually is then we will struggle at times to come to an understanding of God and scripture that doesn't begin with do's and don'ts and behavior. We will struggle to understand the foundation for which we're supposed to live. And I've thought many times this week about why did I start in chapter four? Well, it's early on in four. And I think there's some hope for us as a transition from what's happening into one to three. Now, I want you to remember this. Here's why why this matters. In the world you and I live in, where everything has been hijacked, everything, every subject, every issue has been hijacked by by the media and by the political systems that we're a part of, that it's so often when, when, when there's a conversation about something that the Bible has spoken about, if our early plays didn't get us there, and all of a sudden the church or Christians start speaking up about something, but we don't know that, that's not the foundation for us, then, then we, can, we can feel distant from understanding what's happening. We can even react. So let me be very clear. In a week which a racism was exposed, it's not new, but racism was exposed in our country in, in a profound and awful and horrific way, I got to tell you, I'm really proud. I have not received many at any notes, quite honestly, that somehow this is not an issue the church should talk about. But I do believe that it is, that's an instinct for many of us. Why would we talk about that? That's political. That's cultural. No, it's biblical. And it's in the first three chapters foundationally in the book of Ephesians. Uh, The gospel of Jesus has profound impact, profound impact for the way we see one another in this world. And yes, there are behaviors that Paul gets to. There is an actual way of living, the way we use our bodies, the way we use our mouths, the way we we live in marriage, the way we interact with our children. I mean, there is profound application for day-to-day living. But the foundation of our faith in the book of Ephesians will demonstrate that there's something radical that happens as a result of Jesus dying on the cross and being resurrected. And it's more than just individual salvation. That is a huge part of it. But it, it changes everything. It's like a whole new playbook. So join me briefly on a journey. Remember the context of Ephesians, not unlike our context. Jew and Gentile, historically separated from another, from another. hostile towards one another, did not interact. Us and they, and now Jesus has come and, and the story and salvation gospel of Jesus has hit the Gentile people. And now they are becoming followers of Jesus. They are now adopted into this faith. God's original heart for everything is now starting to be manifest. And for a moment, let me take you through some good foundational scriptures to help us understand what we're hearing in four. So in Ephesians 2... 13 through 18. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is the starting point for all of this. The blood of Jesus does something profound. What, Paul? For he himself is our peace, verse 14, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose, listen to this church, his purpose, Jesus' purpose, was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Paul is launching out pretty heavy in a theological reality that because of the blood of Jesus and because of the blood of Christ, the separation that has existed between Jew and Gentile is gone. The dividing wall of hostility is gone and that what Jesus is doing on that cross is bringing humanity into a new day, into a new relationship, yes, with God, reconciled to God first, but that reconciliation isn't just with humanity and God. That reconciliation extends that people who are divided from one another based on any reason but specifically in the text ethnic racial difference here in Ephesians that God is building a new humanity where these two become one equal access to the father reconciliation to Jesus through the cross reconciliation to one another Ephesians 2:22 he says this and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit this was radical If you don't know this, the way the people of God would always connect is they would come to the physical temple. That's where you met Jesus. And now Paul is saying because Jesus and the veil has been torn and reconciliation happens, guess where God's presence lives? It's in the reconciled relationship between Jew and Gentile. It's in the reconciled relationship of humanity with God that the people are now the temple. That's why we're thriving Lake Avenue Church. Don't don't read the press. We have a building, praise God, but the people are where the temple is. And no matter how we meet for how long, this church is still a church. Just because we're not in the building, that's Old Testament. We are the church, the reconciled community, a new people, a new family. This is where family language begins to emerge. We say that very flippantly and truthfully, but this is the foundation of how we begin to see each other. Because this reconciled relationship between Jew and Gentile creates a new humanity, a new family, a new body, the Bible says. Ephesians 3 14. For this reason, and this is a prayer, Paul is praying, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray you, being rooted and Established in love may have power together, together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how high and long and wide and deep is the love of Christ and to know that love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Let me stop there for a moment. How do we understand how big God is? How do we begin to grasp how deep and wide and long It's when we come together to be the church. I I need other experiences and life experiences. I need other testimonies to understand how wide and big and deep the love of God is. Because left to my small narrative and left to narratives that are only uh, like mine, I only have a limited view of how big God is. So this heart of God and what he's doing on the cross by reconciling human beings to one another, Jew and Gentile, cross difference, it's in that very reconciled relationship with one another we begin to understand who God is at the fullness. And then he says now to him, now how are we going to do this in a world that is so divided? Well, to him who is immeasurably more, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now we move to four. Some instructions on what it's going to look like to be this new people. Now see the context? So if I grow up and I think Ephesians was written so that I don't cuss, and I lose the whole context that maybe my mouth has been given by God to be a reconciled community, that the people I'm reconciled with and reconciled with God, that this way of being family actually is very difficult and messy, and because it's difficult and messy, I need to have some self-control with my mouth because left to my own, I'm going to blast out. See how it changes it? See how it's not just unrelated teachings about behavior, but it sits in the context of an understanding of a reconciled people? And how we live as a reconciled people are the instructions that show up in 4, 5, and 6. So he begins right away, right away. We're going to go application. How do we live? And listen to the immediate application as a prisoner of the Lord. In some Bibles it says, therefore, this is the hinge point. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you, to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Right away, there is one body. One spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father over all, who is over all and through all and in all. Right away, Paul kicks off. You want to know how to live reconciled? Unity. Humbleness. Gentleness. Bearing with one another in love. The truth of the message of Jesus reconciling us to God and reconciling us to one another across racial, ethnic, any other division in this world. And now we're family. Janine said it well, family is complicated. And right away, Paul understands how complicated living this new way is, and he launches out with unity. Let me remind you, in this family, no one's better than the other. And it's about submitting to one another and it's about understanding there's only one God, one baptism, one faith. We're all equal access to God. He goes, he's already taught about this in chapter two. The immediate teaching from the how we live out this gospel story kicks off with unity and it says make every effort to be one. And it's in this context our scripture is for today. So let me read it one more time briefly for you. So I tell you this... After he's told us to be unified, after he's told us to be reconciled, I insist on in the Lord that you may must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity. They are full of greed. And he goes on to teach, and I'll get there in a moment, he goes on to teach about our old self and new self and moving forward in what we know about Jesus. Brothers and sisters, the call on you and me are to be a whole new humanity, to be a whole new kind of person. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. And because of the blood in Jesus, we, we have a whole new reality of being um, a reconciled group of people to God and to one another, and, and, and what marks that new family, that new community, we'll get to traits soon, is, are a few words. What does it mean to be part of this family? I think in Ephesians, the text we have, it means that we've been changed and that we're continuing to be changing. Changed and changing. New and renewing. I mean, that's really what he's getting at in verses 17 to 19. He He's spoken quite beautifully about the gospel being available to Gentiles. We don't get this scripture so that we can have an us and they. He's actually imploring the usness of the new community by giving a contrast of the way others live their life in, in not the reality of the cross. He's, he's saying if, as a part of this family, one of the words that's going to mark you is change, you're changed. You're changed from what, according to the text? There's so much in 17 to 19, I have three words. Change from what? Change from ignorance. Verse 18, they're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So when we follow Jesus and we become this new family, we become this new people, this new humanity, we move from being ignorant to being aware. There was a former way for the Gentile-Jewish relationship that was marked by ignorance, marked by darkness, marked by the hardening of their heart, marked by history. And because Jesus and the blood of Jesus and and Jesus has reconciled all things in every relationship in the church to one another, we move away. We are changed from being ignorant. The radical reality and implications of the cross is that when we become alive to God and we live reconciled with one another, we no longer should be marked by the word ignorant or marked by the word darkness. Verse 18. The uh, uh, the hardness comes in that same scripture, this idea that that without Jesus and without living in the reconciled relationship with God and the reconciled relationship with one another, we simply can't see what God is doing in this world. And we can't feel. We've been darkened. We've been hardened. This, by talking about the way the Gentiles live, what Paul is exposing is the change of those who are reading and the change that should happen for you and for me. Changed from ignorance, changed from darkness, and in verse 19, changed from self-gratification. He's talking very specifically about sexual desires, living for ourselves, but in essence, saying that myself and what I want, me, 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 being the center of the story. A life without Jesus and a life without the fullness of the reconciliation that God offers is a life that puts me in the middle of the story instead of putting we in the middle of the story. What I want, what feels good to me, what I believe to be true, what I, 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 he is spending the better part of a book forming a we. And in this moment, we're seeing the, 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 the enemy of we is me. Ephesians is going to challenge over and over and over again that a mark of being the people of God, being the church, is this continual of putting the other above ourself, saying that I no longer live for me, I live for Jesus, and I will, I will submit, I will be humble, I will bear with one another's burdens, I will, I will put the other above me, But if we've never changed from our own desire to fulfill ourselves, then we haven't really been changed. So what are we changed from? We're changed from ignorance. We're changed from darkness. We're changed from self-gratification. This is the change that ought to happen as a result of being reconciled to Jesus. See, it's not just about our behavior. It's a deeper kind of change away from a different way of living. Paul doesn't just talk about the the changed from, and then switches the conversation in verse 20 to speak specifically to the believers and say, you ought to be continuing to be a changing kind of people. It's not just a one-time change. There's changing that happens. In verse 20, that, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way, your ignorant dark, self-gratifying way to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Briefly and quickly, there's a changing requires some things according to the scripture. Changing requires some Learning. We can't change if we don't know God's ways. We can't change the way we view other people. We can't change the habits that we have. We can't change from being ignorant to to being aware. We can't change from darkness to light. We can't change from living a self-gratifying life to a a self-sacrificing life. We cannot change if we are not learning. And what is implied is that there's some unlearning that needs to happen as well. That's not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and you were taught. You were one way, you meet Jesus, and we begin to be taught a different way. Changing requires continual learning. The the story of Jesus I heard as a seventh grader at Forest Home, and I said, I'm in. I want to follow you, God, was true and profound, and it should grow every day year every moment the irony of me being at this church for 20 years you you went i wouldn't get a job here today if i was the person i was 20 years ago there's no way because i've sat in this church and learned about jesus and i have changed and am changing i've had to learn and unlearn because that we have this beautiful opportunity to be this reconciled community. Changing requires learning and unlearning. Changing also requires, verse 22, an awareness of where you've come from, your former self, your old self. A translation of that could be your old humanity, that old humanity marked by darkness and hardening and and self-gratification and ignorance. We can't change away from that if we're not aware of where we've come from. And this lies in a real challenge, I think, for many of us who have grown up in amazing Christian families. If this is all we have ever known, we have to do some work to get back to what, what it was like or what it would be like to not know to know a life without Jesus to understand that even knowing Jesus what are my what's the ignorance what are the things I have to unlearn there is a former self that needs to be made known and once we learn and we're aware of our former self verse 23 this is where transformation happens Verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Romans will talk about the renewing of our minds. It's that in relationship with God, we actually can change. Jesus, and Paul has just talked in chapter two about the grace of God being the fuel and the reality and the theological truth for change. So it's never about our own work to do the change. It's about our own submission to do the change. It's learning more about Jesus. It's worshiping Jesus more. And it's in that relationship with God, that intimacy with God, where we actually can be transformed. And as we are transformed, we can move forward into a new humanity, a new self. We can move forward. So over the next few weeks, Lake Avenue Church, we're going to talk about traits. Becoming the family that we are. But we cannot begin a series about family traits if we don't have a foundation in understanding the kind of family that God is building. And you and I, because of the blood of Jesus, are not only invited into a free, reconciled relationship with God, but he is doing something among us so that every tongue, every tribe, every nation, Jew and Gentile, male and female, all come together to be this new people, It's not because it's the the call of the day to be unified or to be one. It's the call from the Bible to be unified and to be one and to be completely humble, to be gentle. And so the kind of traits we're going to journey and look at are the kind of traits that go deep into identity. Identity. As Pastor Chuck so beautifully said earlier in the service, the trait of love. There's other traits that begin on the inside of us and in our collective identity as the people of God. And as we cultivate and grow in these traits, this is the very thing that God uses to declare to the world who he is. So this is our call to be a church, to be the church. Because as we become like God has called us to be, we are the very demonstration to the rest of the world who God is. And so we're not creating a kumbaya feel here at Lake Avenue Church. We're trying to be faithful to being the new people that we are. So over the next many weeks, you'll hear from me a bunch. You'll hear from Pastor Chuck. You'll hear from Pastor Annie. And I'm asking you to join us on a journey An inward journey, yes, but a collective journey, all of us together, that even in the midst of being separated, that God would build us into the people He is. If you haven't watched my Friday update, I encourage you to do so. And I've touched on it very briefly, but part of becoming the we that God is calling us to, uh, part of that reconciled to one another, means that we have to feel. And have empathy and to bear with one another when difficulty comes there's some natural ways that works easy more easily for us at lake avenue i think our heart grieves when we hear of a loss in a family when someone dies that what's wrong with that the pain of that we 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 come in our hearts and in our prayers I even think at Lake Avenue Church, we understand there's just some real wrongs in this world. And so we grieve over those who experience homelessness and we give generously um, as a church to our benevolence and our Sunday night meal because when we recognize there's a way that is wrong, the people of God are called to be reconcilers, to make things right. And then there's just some issues that are hard for some of us to jump on board, seeing it as a biblical issue. And on Friday, I think I was trying to be as crystal clear as I can that when we hear stories of racism, of racial prejudice in this world, which is a big story. By the way, it's the big story of of history. It's the big story of humanity. So God's still building something. But for some of us, it requires a level of learning and listening that is very difficult. And I've invited you to join me on the journey over the next many weeks. And I pray a journey of a life. And so watch my video, there's a book I recommend, there's a a link to our statement against racism at Lake Avenue Church, and all of it isn't to be politically correct, all of it isn't just to respond to what's happening in real time on the news, it's because God has reconciled us to one another And the dividing wall of hostility has been torn down and he is creating in himself through the blood of Jesus one new humanity. And so when one part of humanity hurts, when one part of humanity is singled out, when parts of humanity experience injustice, it's the people of God who in the way we come together demonstrate to the rest of the world who God is. So let's be that family lake. Let's be that family and start looking like that family more and more. Jesus, we need your help. Left to our own, we have dividing walls of hostility. Left to our own, we're prone to to go back to the early plays of our faith. Left to our own, we can be much more comfortable with our own individual behavior than our collective identity. And God, I believe and we believe with the, the fullness of our hearts in this space, that on the cross and because of the blood of Jesus, you have done something profound and radical. Yes, you have brought human beings into relationship with you. And then you've said, your relationships with one another are the very vehicle in which my presence dwells. You, reconciled are the temple. So we need your help to be the temple, Jesus. We need your help to live lives of of reconciliation. So help me. Learn some new things and unlearn a lot of things. Help me know where I've come from. Help us through the power of the Holy Spirit to be transformed so that we can walk forward as new humanity. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.